The following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. Parashat Vayichi, for being taped. Um, and uh, there's many fascinating uh, aspects related to medical ethics. We're going to, can't focus on all of them. Um, so we're going to go start with this one, which we've discussed, I think, around 15 years ago, or maybe, maybe later. But in any case, the, the, uh, we mentioned this Gemara a few weeks ago. The Talmud says that uh, Yaakov, you know, Jacob, was the first one in the world to get ill. Okay, very straight, strange statement. Um, based on a verse in this week's parasha, based on the Pasuk, it says there was no illness before Jacob. Exactly what that means, we're going to try to figure out. Um, <coughs> so That's what it says in the Talmud or in this week's? It says verse? in the Talmud, derived from the verse in this week's parasha. What's the verse? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were saying okay. Patience, on your page. Mm-hmm. Patience. Verse number one on the top of the page. So um, the verse says like this. It says, um, Okay, this is right at the beginning of the parsha. Um, as we know, Jacob finally comes down to Egypt. He lived a short time in Egypt in the Goshen ghetto, the first Jewish ghetto. A lot of firsts. Um, so and uh, and he was living with his family. He didn't. Uh, how many years did he live there? Does it say? Says somewhere, um, seventeen years. So not a short time. The end of his life, and uh, he. Then he says the verse goes on to say, after these words, um, in question what that means. After which words, Yosef, and it was told, it was said to Yosef, it was stated to Yosef, Behold, your father is sick. So he took his two sons, Ephraim and Menashe, Menashe was Ephraim, and he went to visit his father. Um, so, because again, uh, Jacob and the family were not living in the downtown Cairo or Egypt, wherever it was, wherever part of Egypt it was, not Cairo. Um, so he had to travel to Goshen, was they were living on, in a suburb, and that was discussed in the past, in last week's parasha, why they were living there. Um, they didn't want to live amongst the pagan... Um, aspects of Egypt, so they were living separate. So, so he hears, he says, "Behold, his father is sick." So says the Talmud. Talmud derives from this that there seems to be something new here, so, and there's a few will explain the abbreviation. So let's read, let me read you the Talmud, which is quote two on your page, and this is actually a continuation of the Gemara we said uh, a few weeks ago about Abraham being the first. What we say, Abraham was the first to age. Okay, so until Abraham, it says there was no aging in the world. Um, so no one going downhill. We're aging now. We're <laughs> getting sick. Come so on. and and they asked for it. Meaning again, Abraham, if you remember, prayed to have the consequences of aging, or uh, I don't know, it's a harsh word. God forbid, not the consequences, the beauty of aging. Um, and uh, and and now Yaakov, it says, prayed to get sick before he before he dies. Let's just read the Gemara here. See if I can find it quickly on the English side. Um, <coughs> so then I'll just start from before. It says, Ad Avraham, lo to Abraham, there was no physical signs of old age. You got older, obviously, but again, the physical um, signs of old age, as you know, whatever it was, hair, white hair, you know, your skin, um, whatever it might be, did not happen. It says, Mishtoi, what's the reason we said then? Mishtoi Badi Yitzchak, because he looked identical or almost identical, very similar to Yitzchak, and, um, they, and people would mistake them. As Avram Bayrachmi, so Avram went and, and asked for mercy from Hashem, Avi Zikna, and he, he then received the physical indications of old age. Okay, Shanemar, and that's based on the verse, Avram Zakin Babayim. Now, then it goes on to skip, it skips Jacob. It skips Isaac, and it goes on to Jacob. Ad Yaakov, and that's when uh, it's on your page there. Ad Yaakov, lo havi chusha. Told Jacob, there was no, literally the word chusha, cholesh, means like weakness. Um, uh, in actually, it's in Yiddish, it's even used, the word is used to write the chalash, to faint. So it's on Ad Yaakov, lo chusha. There was no, uh, the better word is probably feebleness, or as, you know, older people before death have a, a steep decline. Again, we're talking about you know, bef- the time before one dies, so that feebleness that precedes death did not exist before Jacob. That's what the Gemara says. Very fascinating statement. Failure to thrive. Right. This is among all the people of the world, or just among the descendants of Abraham? 
sounds like we're saying it didn't exist in the world, and, we'll, and we're going to discuss it. Yeah. So, it's another thing Jews are responsible for. Yeah. Is sickness yeah. and... Aging. Sickness before death, yeah. If the guy am only yeah. knew, we'd be in big trouble, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's good they don't read the Talmud. Asa Yaakov, so what happened? Says Yaakov came and he prayed, Bai Rachmi, he prayed, he beseeched God for mercy, Vavi Chulsha. Um, and from then on, feebleness came into being, this concept of feebleness before, it, at all day, it, at Does before that. Is there a reason why you pray for them? We're going to get there. Okay. Uh, as it says, so it's, and what does it quote? This verse, Vayomel Yosef Hine Avichachola. As he said to Joseph, Behold, and I think that's the key word here, your father is ill. Okay? And then the Gemara goes on to say another fascinating statement. Once we, we'll just read it once we're here. Adasa Alisha, until Alisha, um, Alisha, uh, a Navi, I believe. Lo Havi. Yes, Nathan, thank you for helping us with that. We don't know, rabbis don't know Tanakh, you know that? Lo Havi Dechalish Ve'et Pach. It says, until Alisha came along, there was no one who ever became ill and recovered. So even though there was illness, Jacob brought illness into the world, he was the first ill person. Alicia was the first one who got ill and recovered from his illness. Asa Alicia by Rachmi beseeched God for mercy, and he was healed. Um, as it says in the verse, where is this verse? Um, Kings, the Malachim 2, chapter 13, it says, uh, Alicia, chalat chalyo, Alicia took ill with his illness, Asher Yamus Bo, which he would die from The implication from that verse is that he previously contracted another illness that he didn't die from. So there was a recovery. So we had one illness of that he recovered from and one illness that he died from. Okay. So that's the Gemara, very interesting uh, Gemara. Historically, if Ron was here, I don't think you'd be happy with this um, based on the history, but I don't know if it fits if what the earliest recorded illness is. But um, so the question is two things. One is, first question is, as Shelley asked, why, why would Jacob pray for illness? Why would someone want illness? So, Alicia also cured a leper, Nama. Yes. So there was illness, but in order to cure it, you needed a miracle. Um, in that particular case, a miracle doesn't mean you only, only need a miracle. Otherwise you died. I don't know. I mean, meaning at all, it sounds like, yes. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to the different types of illness. So the so first thing is, before we get to the different types of illness, Rashi says here, why did Jacob pray for illness? Bay uh, Rachmi says Rashi, the um, Rashi explains the commentary on the side of the Talmud, says, He prayed that a person should get weak before he dies. Literally, the words mean, in order that he should be able to command his house, meaning he should have time to wrap things up and to uh, get his affairs in get order. His affairs in order. Uh, so the, that concept, as we're going to see, didn't really exist until that point. So basically, a person would uh, you you wouldn't know it's coming. I mean, I guess you're older, but but even then, age was uh, sounds like people died mm-hmm. even later. Jack, Jacob was 120 when he died. So people would just it was an instantaneous. You just uh, got dead. Got dead exactly as they say. Um, so so. Uh, Jacob felt like a person, especially a spiritual person, we'll discuss that, needs time to prepare for death. Um, you want to get your affairs in order, you want to um, get, call your kids together, your grandkids, etc. Okay? So that's that's what, uh, and then as we mentioned, actually, Bay Avram, a similar concept, which is sort of like the 10 minute uh, buzzer at the end of uh, that basketball. It does kind of beg the question, why all the people that previously existed on Earth, why Indeed. Jacob felt that need, as opposed he to... He was the only one, I guess, who could ask God to do it. I mean, could be other people had the idea, but... But it's also, clearly, it's something we're saying, it's, as we're going to discuss, it's a spiritual thing, meaning uh, it's not only... There's two parts. There's the practical aspect of your state and getting your fears in order, practically, but there's also an aspect, as we're going to see, they talk about uh, doing tshuva and... and getting ready to getting meet your ready maker. To, uh, exactly, getting ready to... To go to the pearly gates, where you're gonna have to, they're gonna ask you, what did you achieve in this world? So, so there is that aspect too. So you want that 10-minute buzzer warning at the end of at the end of the game, towards the end of the game. So that's that's how Rashi seems to imply it here. Um, so somewhere else, I think Rashi, I don't have it in front of me. Rashi, in other places, says says a similar or even more language that he wanted his kids to come. But he doesn't mention that here. He wanted his kids, or maybe. Actually, they quote other Rashi there. Let me see. Um, right, so Rashi in Sanhedrin says it's slightly different. He says, 
He should have time for his children. Everyone from his place. They lived in different various locales. Leo is not only today that your children leave town. Leo is love bishas misa to be with him at the time of death. It's shikivan sheroin shenafalimita. When he saw he he fell ill, so to speak, and and is in bed, he knows the end is near. Yodin sheyamus. So then you know you're going to die at some some point in the near future. Umiskapsinabain. So the family gets together and is there. Um, at the end of your life. So there's two, uh, two sounds like Rashi's mentioning two different things. One is just to get your fears in order. The other one is having all the kids there, which I'm not sure is that a psychological motive. Is that also just the same thing, getting your fears in order? could be this similar concept, but he, he says a little more of it over there. So the question also is, is what... Um, like we're saying, where do you see that from the verse? We're bringing this verse, So he got sick. So how do we know that illness didn't exist until that point? So the commentaries in the Talmud and the Chumash discuss a lot of that as to where from the words alone do you see that. So there's two... The, so one explanation I saw from the Torah to Mima here is a commentary on the bottom. He says that the word... Whenever the Torah has... Or actually the Masha says this. Um, Masha is a commentary on the Talmud. Also says whenever the Torah used the, the language Hine, which means behold, so that means there's something new going on here. So we find that he brings proof from other places. Um, with the word hine. So the, the application of this word behold means, it says, behold, your father is ill. So what's the behold? Your father is ill. What's the, like, whatever, you know, this hine. So he says, whenever the Torah uses the language hine, that's something new um, that uh, he, called, he calls a chidush. Yeah. Whenever it's used? In, in context where the, un- the understanding is something new is happening. Yes, that's what he says. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of a, a, a passage I'm studying with... Uh, where uh, Esav says that to his father. Yeah, I don't know what's the what's the context of when, he, when he's bringing him uh, <laughs> when his father calls him and says go hunting. Right. So I, I, listen, I'm not a linguist. Right. I can't tell you. I'm just telling you that's what the Masha says. So he he gives different examples. If, is it applicable don't in every case? Trouble. I can't tell. You. Why does he Why does he think that this is the first time anybody got sick, rather than this is just the first time that Jacob got sick? No, that he's asking someone to pray. No, he didn't. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say pray. He says he prayed to get sick. He prayed to get sick. Right, right. to get sick. But that's um, not the Torah. The Torah doesn't say that. The Torah just says he got he sick. Got sick. Right. And, he, well, behold, he got behold, sick. Behold, he got sick. So, right. so the behold, other, your father got yeah, sick. Maybe it's, it's the first time he got it's sick. It's what we call in, used in Yeshiva language, it's a, what we call a kvetch. You know, we squeeze it and you got it. It's a squeeze. <laughs> You're right. right. It's a stretch, Rabbi, as they say many times. Many times. Rabbi, come on. That's a stretch. So, uh, so it's a it's a squeeze. It is a squeeze. I agree. So an- another explanation, they say um, two two people I saw said explain this actually very similar concept. Put it out here. One is from a, a book called um, a book called Kodesh Ilulim. I'm assuming it's a, I couldn't find it. I don't have the book. I just found this online. Um, I d- and there's there's two of them. So I'm not sure who the author is because it's two books by the same name. One written, one printed in 1949, the other one was printed of, uh, two, three hundred years ago, so I'm not sure who's writing this. But he says like this, he says, um, he quotes the Gemara in Bab Metziah, that says, Till Yaakov there was no illness, and then he says, he says, what's it based on? So how does the Gemara derive that Hine, because he's saying he's sick. So he says, as we know, and we discussed this in the past, in Judaism we don't like uh, being the bearer of bad news. We're not, you're not supposed to say bad news explicitly. It's a heebie-jeebie thing. It's a not sure what it is. When I was growing up uh, in, in my community in, in up north, they wouldn't even use the word cancer. Now, probably well, more. But at that time, it was a taboo. Like yes, AIDS. Right, right. Well, it wasn't taboo. It was just no deal. You know, they would say in Yiddish, right. you say, Yenamacha, that illness, that illness. Or, uh, you know, it's, it's a, there's a concept, and again, I don't know, uh, that's a whole different class. There's a concept in, in uh, Jewish law, or in the Talmud, discusses something called al-tiftach pelis satan. You're not supposed mm-hmm. to open your mouth for to Satan. You don't, don't say bad things. You're giving people ideas. Giving Satan bad, bad ideas. Not a good thing. So, the, so the, and that's something we find throughout the Talmud. It says when you, when you, you're not supposed, when someone asks you, and, you, and you, you're not supposed to tell them bad news. Okay? So you allude to it. You can hint to it. So, for example, we had a Gemara we discussed in the past. It says, like, this guy's uh, mother died. Um, so, they asked him, oh, how's, you know, he came to visit, and they didn't have, you know, communication. So the guy came to visit another town. He said, oh, how's my mother? So he said, your father's doing great. 
Okay, so the assumption is that he understood his mother. His mother passed away. So he's saying. So so this what this. There's an enormous body of Jewish humor literature based mm. on that one little that, principle. That, yes. <laughs> okay, All so ten katzko routines. Yeah, a lot of humor in uh, in Jewish law. Okay, so so uh, he said like this. He says. Um, so he goes on to explain based on this principle that the fact he says that why if, if this principle is a true Jewish principle the Talmud says you're not supposed to explicitly say bad news why would they tell Joseph it was said to Yosef and the assumption is that who's telling Joseph um, no, uh, no, his son usually in all the other stories he says Ephraim and Menashe was, Ephraim was the I forgot if it was Ephraim or Menashe one of them was the messenger he was the one going back and forth between uh, j- always between Goshen and and Joseph, so he was all the communication that was taking place. So he's saying, so of course they knew the principle. Okay, they would have known. You can't say explicitly. You don't say your father's sick. So the fact that the Torah had the, he was told explicitly that means let's say Ephraim would have came and alluded to it. He would have said, um, "Mom's doing know, well," but how's, he would have said, how, "What?" Mom's doing well. Right. How's your father? Well, Mom was dead already in this case, but <laughs> so whatever. <laughs> But he said, how is your father? And he would have Mom's said, um, one second, so let me just no, finish no, my no, point. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Okay. So. Okay. <laughs> are both yeah. of them dead? No. This is all no. Rachel died a long time ago. Joseph's mom. Yeah, Jacob is on his deathbed. He's sick. And we're saying he was the first one that Thomas says to ever get sick in the world. Okay. okay. So okay. it says, so, he so the fact that he's saying it explicitly, it must be because if he would have just hinted to it, let's say he would have said, um, you know, uh, I don't know, what, would he, what could he have said? He could have said, uh, your uncle's, yeah, everyone else is doing great. Your father wants to see you. So then, he, no, then he would have thought that his father back. died. I Meaning if he would have alluded that his father is not well, the assumption, meaning since there was no sickness ever existed in the world, so there's no way he could have known what he, what he was alluding to. Therefore, he couldn't allude to it. He, they would have, he would have thought his father died, which wasn't true. He was just on his deathbed, but he didn't die yet. So therefore, he, they had to say it explicitly. That's that's how he understands the How come the all of a sudden Yosef knows what the word chole means? So we're going to talk about illness and what, what exactly, mm-hmm. whatever, there was a word, they, what it me- meant exactly, what the... You might have got an explanation. Oh, we're going to get there, we're going to get there. It's a good point, it's a valid point. Tosis asked you a question, I believe, a similar question. So he says like this, he says, um, so he says, Yesh Laksh, we're going to... Uh, we could ask the question here, if it's true, this principle that the Gemara states in, a few, in many places, that you're not supposed to explicitly say bad news, so how could this shliach here tell Yosef, the messenger, <coughs> that's saying bad, bad uh, statements. He should have said, the brothers are well, your brothers are doing well, uh, you know, the cat's doing fine, the dog's doing fine. Well, Mela and Yosef would have realized that his father was sick. Uh, since till then, he says, there was no concept of illness in the world. So if the, if the shleich would tell him, this messenger would say, that the brothers were well, Yosef Masik he would have understood, he would have inferred from that statement that his father died. Right? So he says, therefore, he had to say it explicit. And that's the proof that there was no, um, that's how the Gemara extrapolates from this verse, there was no illness until this point. And the Torah Tremor says a similar thing, yes. At this point in the history of the world, there aren't that many Jews. Jacob is the first one to get sick. Is it that a commentary upon Jacob's prior behavior? No, he prayed to get sick. We just said I he understand asked that. to get sick. So but clearly, you know, it can't be a. a, a but he a could say, "Look, I, I know. I, I, he, he later on he says my life was short and miserable. So maybe he understood his behavior was not exemplary. He wanted to repent and he wanted to know when he was going to die. Yeah. So so, oh, you mean is that, is that clearly according to some? That's why he prayed for it, but it wasn't a punishment. What I'm saying is, I thought you meant. Are you asking is his illness a punishment? That no. you don't see. No, but illness as an opportunity. He knows. He yeah, that's exactly. He's what running saying. out of time to repent. Exactly. Whereas Abraham, Isaac, presumably didn't feel that compulsion to repent. That's I mean, a good, that could be. That's a good point. I don't I mean, judge either. Why fun. Jacob? You know, as opposed to hey, somebody I, I else. I hear you. That, that's very possible. Um, that's, mm-hmm. That is possible. He also had 12 kids. He had a lot of affairs to get in order. The other ones yeah. only had a... Well, he certainly was the most complicated of patriarchs. Yes. Right. Yeah. He had people, you know, he had his kids well, spread well, out. Well, wait a minute. Abraham had a whole... Abraham had an enormous amount of responsibilities, too. Yes, but, but he wasn't as complicated. 
Mm-hmm. As company. Yeah, okay, so either way, listen, uh, that's a, it's, it's a nice point. So he, Could be. he invented the word chola. Well, cause that's another thing. So it, as far as the, the word, I don't know, that's a good question, but we're going to get to the, what type of illness we're talking about here. Because, uh, Fatal. Right, <laughs> yes, that's exactly the point. Meaning, meaning there are other illnesses It could be up to the point. So the word chola might have existed, but they weren't fatal illnesses, as we're saying. Oh, so, so you, could, you got the flu or you got the cold. The flu might be fatal, but you got a, you know, you got a cold, you got uh, other illnesses, but we're going to get there in a second. So I, wanna, mm. I just want to finish this point. You're so the, uh, the one last explanation, a third explanation of as to the extrapolation of how we know this is the first illness is just, he, someone says, meaning it sounds like there was no mess, it was just, Yosef heard that he was sick. Now why would Yosef, meaning how did it get, the news was such, was such a big chidush in the world, this had never happened before, someone got sick like this, so therefore everyone was talking about it, and that's how Joseph heard of it. That's another commentary. It was like a, that old Bill Cosby routine. What's a cubit? What's <laughs> sick? You know, like, what do you mean he's sick? You know, what does that mean? Mention, right. We don't mention Bill, Bill Cosby anymore in this class. But, okay, so in any case, so that's, that's the Gemara in Bab Mitzias. So, so Tosvis in... I'd be old to remember that routine. Was. What's a cubit? Yeah. Right, so I, 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 I'm not that old, but I remember. Like I say, you got to be old. <laughs> 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 um, What's a cubit? I grew up on the Bill Cosby tapes. Um, let me just think where this Gemara is. Oh, there's a Gemara somewhere. So there's this. So Tos is actually the Gemara. There's another Gemara in Baba Basra. Talmud Baba Basra says like this. It says another fascinating thing, which we're not going to get into, but it says that um, there's a verse about Abraham. It says, um, It says, Abraham was blessed with everything. There's a big argument there around six different opinions in the Talmud, Baba Batra, as to what it means that Abraham was blessed with everything. Some say he had a daughter, which doesn't mention the Torah, of course, but that was his means he was blessed with everything. He didn't only have sons. Daughter is a great blessing. Some say he didn't have a daughter, that's why he was blessed with everything. So we're not going to... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so that's a different... We didn't hear that. Yeah. That's for a different class. But, but the point is, there's, there's at least six opinions. Um, let me just find the Gemara here, but Bas for 16b. But Tosis says, so Tosis and Akamara, Tosis is a medial commentator, this is 16b in Babadatra, says, he asks the question, so, oh, so one of the opinions says, that some legend that Abraham had this, uh, some type of stone, uh, like a precious stone, that anyone who was sick, you looked at it and you got healed. Mm. But you didn't get sick. Oh, that's the question. So says, how does that fit with the Gemara in Baba Mitzia? Like Wolverine. Which says that uh, there was no illness in the world. What's going on here? Okay, so Tosis asks this question here. He says, um, according to this opinion, says Tosis, yeah? Yeah. Anyone, any ill person would see this stone. This was in the time of Abraham, right, before Jacob, would, would get healed. Vim Tomar, Tosis asks a question, In the days of Abraham, there was no illness in the world, as you said. As we said in the Gemara in Baba Metziah. It says, until Jacob, there was no illness, there was no feebleness, and until Elisha, there was no illness that was healed. Stosis says, that this illness we're talking about here in the times of Abraham was an illness that came about by a trauma. Okay, what we're talking about, there was no illness till Jacob was the illness, you know, a natural occurring illness. That didn't happen until Jacob, that you just uh, caught something. But people got uh, hit by a deer, mm-hmm. or by a mule, or by a... By somebody else. Somebody right. So you know you get run over by Santa's sleigh and then you that you got sick. That so illness by trauma did occur. Um, that's Tosa's first answer. So the only illness we're talking about here when we say till Jacob was natural occurring illness. That's one answer of Tosa. Um, so this so that would answer your question of the word chole did exist. Illness existed and the word existed. So we knew what they were talking about when he said the word chole. But it was only an illness... Um, injury. Injury, yeah. exactly. It's the origin of illness. If you got gored by a bull, would it get infected? Well... Yeah, but again, that's a tr- in illness a by trauma. trauma. That's the point. It occurred through what a trauma, not through a natural... Not just from uh, the... You know, but but the, the, the infection... The yes, but again, it occurred, the source was trauma. It's the source of the illness. 
you died because of malnutrition. Yes, and that's also food. trauma. That's considered meaning. In, in, but that's, that's not an trauma. No, I only when I say trauma, I don't mean trauma. It means not a naturally occurring illness. Something happened. You did something to yourself. You, well, you know, that caused the illness, as opposed food. to just contracting a, a natural illness. So if if that word cholera existed before and it meant uh, induced illness, when Yosef hears this, he says, well, get that stone and just fix him up. Why are you telling me oh, this? So it says that when Abraham died, he took the stone okay, with so him. Okay, so stone's gone. Yeah, stone's so, gone. But the still, Yosef could still be thinking this is not a yeah. fatal illness. This is just a an injury that might or might not get better. Yeah, yeah but you still have to be kohonim. No matter what. Still what? Have to visit the sick. Yeah, that's also that's another aspect of this week's passion. They talk about the sick and how much illness you take away. Sixtieth. In terms of Yosef's understanding of what he's being told, on the one hand you're saying it's something new. On the other hand, if he already familiar. Yeah, so it was new in the sense of we said either the word hine or because it never happened before. The fact that he was feeble on his deathbed again. It wasn't even I don't know if it was illness. What would alert Yosef to that fact? The hine. I mean, how no, that's telling us yeah, that this why, is the why first. Why did time. he take his sons with him? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Clearly, he knew it was so the end. They serious. understood yeah, it was the end. Made, right, exactly. As so opposed to just an illness. Mm. Okay, so that's answer number one of Tosa. So, the, so we see differentiating between an illness based on injury, as Nada said, or an illness, um, the, a natural occurring illness. Answer number two, he brings the Rabbeinu Tam, Varim Mefarshim, two other commentators, the Rabbeinu Tam and Rabbeinu Yitzchak Mefarshim, they explained the Ad Yaakov lo havi the Islish, the Ichlish, there was no one who got ill, Hainu Choli Shal Misa. It means no one got ill and died. People got sick, but they never died from illness. The concept of a fatal illness, Jacob was the first one to have a fatal illness. Okay, so illness existed. People got, like we said, the cold and the flu. At some point. Yeah, of course, course they died, but not from the illness. Forever. Everyone dies. Of course yes. they got better. Not saying they didn't die. We're saying so is they that they didn't die. they didn't have a fatal illness. Yes, we're not saying they didn't die. People died. Before but they didn't die from illness. We're going to discuss what they, they died. died. We're going to discuss that in a second, what they died. If you go back to Abraham, who got old, yeah. did Abraham only look old, or did he actually age and have some disabilities related to aging? In no, case, that's he's it. sick in right. a certain sense. Right. No, so that's what I think what it's saying. Abraham just had the uh, outward ramifications. But without of actually having you know, disability from aging. Right, exactly. No feebleness exactly. is the right word. As opposed to Jacob, we're saying he became feeble at the end enough that this was, he knew that this was it. Okay? You know, it's getting white here, it doesn't mean this is it. Mm-hmm. You could always it does. die here. Yeah, it does. <laughs> now you come. <laughs> um, okay? So he says again, so Reva, Beirut, Tamifarshim, Da'ad Yaakov, Loavi, Ichlish, Hainu, Choli, Shalmita. A illness, a fatal illness that you're going to die from. Mikan ve'elach from here and on, from Jacob and on. Havi dechlish cholish al mita, velo havi the itpish al Elisha. But no one got able to be healed from that fatal illness until Elisha. Elisha was you even whatever that means. Not a fatal illness, I guess, if you can get healed. So we need to know what this terminal illness, illness is. Well, it doesn't say, but but that's the two dif- um, answers again. Because whenever you have a contradiction, two pieces of Talmud seem to contradict each other. So we need to come up. Uh, with a answer again, maybe you could argue it's kvetch. It's a kvetch, but so this is we're discussing the theory of disease, origin of disease, or the uh, source, yeah, yeah. The origin, theory, origin, origin source, yeah. yes. Oh, oh, wh- wh- how would you define illness? Well, that's the question. We're, we're saying that so far we mentioned three, the trauma cl- three, th- right, three class, uh, four classifications aging. of illness so far. One is no aging is not illness. It's that's natural. Yeah, I'm saying it's also not, I don't know, you know that's there's there's um No, I mean dying dying because of old age. I mean right, what, so I'm not sure what that means. Why so you die when you're Yeah, so let's see. So so I, I what I am so far I'm just trying to in my head trying to categorize it. So there's I think there's we mentioned four types of illness. One is in illness from trauma or injury. Okay, then we said there's um there's terminal illness. And it seems non, like also non-fatal illness. Non-fatal illness, and then feebleness before like, that's what you're saying. Feebleness, or so to speak, you know, sort of the decline before death, which is not the dwindles. necessarily an end. The yeah. dwindles. That's no, I'm saying, you know, you know, you got a, you know, a couple of months. It's, it's a show's over. Um, so I don't know if that's classified as an illness in in medicine. 
I'm telling you, the term is the dwindles. You, you dwindles? can't classify. Uh, well, it's, it's not failure to thrive. <coughs> failure to thrive. Right, that's a term. You see people have kind of a failure chronic illness. It's failure to thrive is to a thrive. diagnosis. Uh, of people that are I know many people fading, who are 15 and fading. failure to thrive. No, 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 but that's a medical diagnosis uh, at the end of the They used to. Okay, now they use it for old folks too. Okay. I guess a more technical way to, yeah. to classify the dwindle. It's interesting I because the dwindle uh, is more descriptive. I, I sort of why. <laughs> it's interesting because uh, that's what I, I'm saying. You know, I work with geriatrics. Uh, so no, the interesting is that we're saying that's exactly what Jacob prayed for is the dwindles. He prayed for the dwindles in order because he he like you said he wanted to thrive. Meaning. The end of life, you want to catch up and do all the things you didn't do. You want to go bungee jumping and skydiving, the things that you couldn't do before. So you need that time and warning. Mean, so he, he, on the contrary, f failure to thrive is not a good term because mm. it's on the contrary. Here, he, he's doing it in order to, to continue to thrive, to, to fix so up and wrap up the loose ends. Just the fact that he prayed for the implication is he had all of his mental faculties, or maybe not, but he had his mental faculties. He was praying for something that he needed or felt he needed. And Which because of him, we all but, but we got to suffer. Today, it's your problem. I got to suffer. But actually, you know that people that have ter terminal illness, oh, they know they're going to die in six months or whatever. Sometimes that's the time in their lives. They thrive. They, right, right, exactly. No, they're free exactly. from that's the usual cares exactly. of that. That's, that's, that's really what Jacob's them, purpose right? was, right? Saying that, you know, that's what... That's so one explanation. <laughs> Yes. So now, so the, so the question is, and this is relevant but as we're going to see. Point being, psychologically, he's praying for change really more in his mindset than he is in his physical right. being. That I, you know, I, sooner or later, I need. I'm going to run out of time. I'd like to so know when that's going right. to be. So he needed that 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 time and a warning. He needed yeah. some kind of warning. Yes. So now the question is: So what happened until this point? And there's a fascinating medrash we're going to discuss. Um, and as we'll see, very relevant to this. So so what happened until this point? How did people die? If we're saying no one got sick and died, so what, are you just like drinking a coffee in the morning and just... Get dead. You know, got well, dead. Just and die, right? <laughs> so what happened? And also, I mean, the, as we're going to talk about, the question is, so the instantaneous death. So, the, so there's a medrash. The medrash. Let me read you the medrash. Gather to your kin, I think is the expression they use a lot. You gather okay. to your kin. So the medrash says like this, number three on the sheet. This is from Pirkei the Rebelazar. Fascinating medrash. Shall read in the Hebrew? The English is there, translated to on the bottom. Who's so Rebelazar? Um, number three. Who is he? Uh, I never met him, but he, it's a medrash. Old medrash, uh, Rabbi Lesnar. Yeah, it does have an, uh, another name. Isn't he one of the heavy Isn't he one of the oven and the walls come in? Could be. But he's, he's, uh, yeah. Medrash is from... Uh, it's medrash. It's medrash. comes from how long ago? This medrash? I mean, it's, it's, it's pre-Tamudic, yeah. Pre Before there were medical journals. <laughs> so it says like this, listen to this. Before the Lancet. Listen to this unbelievable matter. It says, He says, From the day the world was created, you could read it along in the English, there was no one sick in the world. Again, similar, repeating what the Gemara says, same concept. Guy was going on the way, he was on the plane, he was on the boat, he was in the market. He would sneeze. He he would sneeze and his soul would leave him. That's how you would die. The death was, you'd sneeze. Sneeze was the end. Death by sneezing. Death by sneezing. Um, midrash. There was any such nonsense it, it, like that about sneezing. It's interesting. It says, his, his soul will get out of his nostrils. What? Yes. Well, that's how it got in. That's how it got in. So that's actually yes. the source. Yeah, the One of the things, right. how they explain this midrash is, as we know, the life force that we've discussed when it says in Breshit, and Hashem, it says, he breathed into Adam, um, into his, uh, I forgot the exact language there, maybe someone can help me out here. Uh, he breathed into his nose the life force. So, so we see from there that your life force is, God created Adam by breathing the life force into his nose. And here the Medrash is saying, when that's how you died. He sneezed, and your neshama left you through your nose. Which comes up on the digging on Shabbat, whether you're the life force. Right, exactly. That's where's the life force. Life force and breathing, that's the whole question, which we're not going to get into, hopefully not for a while, which is uh, um, cessation of breathing. What's death, the definition, definition of death, death. in mm -hmm. halacha? Cessation of breathing or cessation, cessation oh, of cardiac function? Yeah. So this is really, in a certain sense, the Gemara brings this as a source, that the life uh, is defined by breathing. 
at this. The Gemara brings the atom, the fact that Hashem breathed life force into nose. So you see breathing is, is what the life force is. But in any case, so the Gemara is saying, here, that's how a person died. You're walking around, you sneezed, and it was over. Kleenex, you didn't need Kleenex at that point. Um, it says, until Jacob came along, and he prayed, and they asked God for mercy. And he said, um, he said to God, do not take my soul um, uh, he says don't take my soul away so quickly until I may have time to gather my family and to uh, uh, together and God answered his prayers as it says in the verse in Vayichi that we just read in this week's parasha as it says behold your father is sick this was the Culmination. This was his, the answer to, to Jacob's prayer. So he says, and oh, he's the one that says this pshat that I mentioned. He says, in all the kings of the, uh, of the earth, or whatever the land of civilization at the time, they heard that Jacob got sick with Tamu, and they were all in wonderment. There was no such thing since the beginning of creation. This person's getting sick, and he's on his deathbed. His family's coming around. They never heard of such a thing. He died. He sneezed. This guy's 120, and he's and he's uh, lying in bed, and his family's around him. The, the concept had not existed. Ficha, he says, therefore says the Medrash, Chayav Adam lomar lechavero b'shat atishotav Therefore a person is obligated to say to his friend when he sneezes, Chayim, as we say, Gesundheit, or it's in Lebanon, or whatever language, Salud, whatever, I don't know how to say it in French. Um, whatever thing we say, and this is, uh, we're going to see, every, every culture in the world, if you think about it, it's a fascinating concept, has a salutation when someone sneezes. If you uh, pass wind, no one says anything to you. Depends. <laughs> right? If you uh, if you burp, nobody. There's no salutation. The only salutation is every single culture. I, I never been. There. You'll tell us what in Morocco, but in uh, I'm assuming in in Africa. She's the depths, going too. Right. Okay. Oh, so you'll find that. Um, but if you go even in southern Africa, well, again, based on Wikipedia, I was never there. The assumption is every every culture in the world has some type of salutation when someone sneezes relevant to their health. Okay, it's a fascinating concept. So where they come from? Right here, this matter. Well, prior uh, to let me this finish medrash. one second. This concept that Jacob prayed for changed death to light. So Jacob took away this instantaneous sneezing death that people used to die from and he changed and therefore now we all are obligated to say when someone sneezes to your health to health gesundheit whatever language you're talking because it used, this used to be the death the de- that was your death and what's the you source sneeze. that EO 41 what's that yeah. um EO that's what it says here oh that it says oh, the source of it just uh it's using a nice expression turned the uh, source of life and light it became light you know source of death became light just an expression prior to this okay. midrash is there any mention of sneezing anywhere <laughs> and do I look like a historian? <laughs> well, but you know, all of a sudden, so, attribute to sneezing this enormous power. Like, where'd that come from? Oh, so I, I looked on this. It's got from, nothing to uh, do with the fact that a lot of times people sneeze are getting a cold. Right. Nothing State master encyclopedia Gesundheit. Um, and it has uh, like four pages on Gesundheit and the origins. So it says there are different theories. There are different theories regarding the origin of the phrase of Gesundheit. One idea is that the expression stems from the Middle Ages when bubonic plague was threatening the European health. So they clearly got it wrong because we have the Shulchan Aruch and the Talmud already discusses that you're supposed to stay a blessing when someone sneezes. So the Babanic Plague was much later. Um, superstitions date back as early as ancient Greece, Herodias, so they, they got it wrong here um, because they didn't know the Talmud. Okay, so so you see, just never believe what it says in Encyclopedia. Is that Especially today. No, this is not Wikipedia. This is State Master Encyclopedia. Oh. I don't know what that, what that is. Um, so the point is, so... so Again, I, listen, I think to me, this medrash is very much, seems very much in the sense of, true in the sense of that every single culture, again, has this, this concept of sneezing, um, of saying a blessing. As a matter of fact, yeah. It's a symptom of illness. I mean, you get, when you sneeze, you get a cold, and you get pneumonia. Oh, not necessarily. I mean, you sneeze, uh, many people sneeze, just uh, it says when you pull, I was looking here, it says when you pluck your eyebrows, it causes you to sneeze. A lot of things you do that, Sneeze has nothing to do with illness. Well, you're not necessarily have to do with illness. 
The only way um, for us, um, for me at least, to tie sneezing into illness and failness is, comes from the concept of breathing life in. So if you sneeze and you're aware of that concept, then a sneeze might really upset you as opposed to, like you said, passing gas or burping or whatever. Because if that's where the life force is coming in, once you sneeze, well, so that, that, yes. but you wonder why pride is midrash, is there any use in the Talmud or anywhere about sneezing having this great power? Um, I can only tell you what the midrash says and what the internet says. This is another article here, one second. Um, Right. What's interesting is, interestingly enough, it also the, the Talmud seems to imply that actually the sneezer should say the blessing um, to the other person, and then he responds. There's a Talmud that discusses what you say and what to respond. No one, I never heard anyone doing that, but that's what Talmud says. Um, here, this is from Wikipedia. It says, it is interesting, that also in other cultures, an individual who hears a sneeze verbally responds to the sneezer. Upon hearing a sneeze in German, the response is Gesundheit, in Spanish, Salud, in Irish, it's Salent. Um, which means God bless you. The former of uh, the format of give and take verbal exchange between the sneezer and fellow Jews who hear the sneeze is duplicated in Islamic culture. When one sneezes, the sneezer says praise to be God in Islamic culture. The sneezer says praise to be God, and his fellow Muslims respond to him, "May God have mercy on you." To which the sneezer counter responds, "May God guide you and rectify your condition." And then they respond, "No, go on." Like so Yossi, here's an article yeah. in postgraduate medicine called "The History of Sneezing." And they yeah. cite the Talmud, and they say, you'll be happy to hear this. The Babylonian Talmud points out that sneezing in women is a sign of impending menstruation. No, they, they, that's, they got it wrong. They don't okay. believe Why you read a medical journal. No, Three. there is a concept in Alakha. I know what they're referring to. The, there is a concept. In fact, they need Yeah, the, no, there are certain outward physical signs that different women have, which will show that they, they know that's a sign their, their cycle is coming on. Um, that's discussed in the Talmud. So the question becomes, when a woman has that sign, not specifically sneezing, there's many different signs. You know, people can have hiccups. And when she has that sign, does she become prohibited to her husband at that point already? We have all sorts of biblical mice. They say in Kings 435, the son of a Shunammite woman who appears to have died of sunstroke sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. No, but that has nothing to do with that. It's just mentioning sneezing. It's just showing you every source that mentions sneezing in the Talmud. There's a lot of sources. There's a lot of halachot about sneezing, which we're not going to get into when you're allowed to say it. It says, you say gesundheit, but let's say you're in the middle of davening. Can you say it in the middle of learning Torah? What about in the bathroom? Can you say, because there's a verse, the Talmud says you should say a verse, that God should help you. It's a verse. So if you're in the bathroom, you can't say that verse. What do you do? A guy sneezes in the bathroom. There's a lot of discussion. Rabbis had a lot of time in their hands. Yeah, it's great um, stuff. So, uh, so we're not getting into all the halachas of sneezing. I want to point out, so it's really a much more fascinating discussion, um, which maybe we can discuss. Let me just see what's going on here in my life. Um, sorry, I also got a business to run. Um, so... The the issue is it's really it's a fascinating discussion which I saw a nice good rabbi sermon and it's a good debate and it's current debate also and I've heard it many times from patients what is better is it better to just go instantaneously how do how do uh, how, I don't want to ask you personally I don't want to get personal here but how do how is it better to die how do you want to die is it better to just die walking down the street and get hit by a bus when you're 95 and that's it no pain. And the illness, or 95. okay, 95, uh, 120. Sorry, or is it better, as Jacob wanted clearly here, to be warned, to, to be warned, to have the ten minute warning, ten minute buzzer, and go that way? What is better? And there's different well, opinions. I mean, yes. you're talking about nowadays with technology where you're prolonging life for people. So that's a different. So that's a whole different question. Right, and, and might be a whole different question. And, no, I'm saying. I'm talking. I thought you meant because we're extending death as opposed yes. to prolonging life. That's a different debate. Both ways. And the fact that most people, there are two elements, I think there are a few elements. So in your, in your experience with dealing with patients, which you seem to geriatric patients, right. what do most of them, would they rather just go to sleep and die? Or would they rather have the 10-minute it, It's a mix. It depends on the culture. They're not See. mutually exclusive anyway. Yeah, No, they're not. What does that mean? Exactly. You can get sick and they get run over by a bus. No, if you do the preparatory. No, I understand. I'm just saying, but how would I rather die? What What would I, I mean, prefer? I can tell you if you give me a choice. I can tell you personally, yeah. or some things that I tell my family, right? Yeah. Which goes into another issue is that, you know, if, you know, I'd rather die when I'm sleeping or my father in law passed away, he had the major hematoma, you know, 
uh, you know, and he was in coma, and he never, he, he never got out. So that's but to me. He had a word, meaning he was sick well, for what? I mean, no, no, no. He, one day he, he, <coughs> he was driving in the morning, and in the afternoon he had a massive My stroke. Was the same thing. And he never woke up, and that was it. And then he was extubated, you know. They My father uh, never sick a day in his life, never in the hospital in right, his life, but, except but for cataract surgery. But he was to 82 me, when he died. He, he was in the Yamamelech in this city. But, but to me, it's, it's also quality of life. And I have this discussion with my friends and family all the time about what's the quality of life that you want to have in, in, in geriatric. That's a different question. What, right, but if you're sick and you have a terminal illness, so if you have dementia and Alzheimer's and you're declining and you, you, you still know, you're aware, to me, I say, just let me go. I don't oh. want to be a burden on anybody. So, okay, so, that's, so again, help that's me, another help me go. Okay. So this, this is relevant to the physician-assisted suicide discussion because yeah. the people have different views of how yes, they want to die. Not going no, there. I'm not going yeah. there. I'm saying, but it, the, the, there's all sorts of variables that determine how people would rather die: get sick, have time but to get their affairs, or just get dead. And you see, it's been explored in terms of physician-assisted suicide. What people rationale for wanting that? What's their view of how I want to die? Right. So, so I'm saying, but so it's, it would seem from here, from at least this Medrash and Yaakov, you know, that Jacob obviously preferred the choice beat that he should get sick before again we're not clear exactly what the illness was maybe there was some unfinished business i mean we all, yeah, we all have unfinished business that's the point for sure we all have unfinished but some some people are able to to take care of them and don't have to wait until they die yeah my business is finished i'm ready to die <laughs> exactly they were uh, at peace with themselves uh, plenty of people say i'm, I'm could, ready yeah, to die yeah okay but yeah. at the end of the day so that's so it's interesting so but the family afterwards doesn't necessarily agree yeah. Um, yeah, that's always going to be fight. That's um, the point is like this. So I found. So this is a a sermon. There's an article. I couldn't find the original article, so I quoted online. Um, was here. Yeah, I don't know. I lost it. So there was this was So listen to this. Yeah, you're gonna think about it. We got This is a fascinating article. So this is written by my friend. I'm gonna read it to you. Uh, he's a rabbi. Wrote it. His name is uh, Rabbi Yisachar Fred. He's a currently he's a, he's a Rosh Hashiva in Nair Yisrael, Yeshiva in Baltimore. Very well-spoken guy. He gives he has a lot of books printed. So I can't find. I couldn't. I don't have the book. I can't even tell you the source. It just says what they F R A N D. So he says uh, he he's talking about this concept. So he discusses and and I checked it up on Snopes. It's actually false. Um, so he's written many years ago. I'll read what he says. He says. I once heard a radio newscaster comment on an air disaster. Quote, thank heaven they never knew what hit them. When a bomb goes off on an aircraft at 30,000 feet, there is no time to think. You're just dead in an instant. They never had a chance to think. Yikes, I'm about to die. They were spared the pain and the anguish of looking death in the face. Boom, and they were dead, just like that. Well, I suppose that this is one way of looking at it, but it's not the Jewish way. Then he quotes this madrash. He says, the Pirkei de Rolaza describes the Jewish way. Terminal diseases may be painful, but at least they give a person a warning and he is about to, that he is about to depart from this world. He is forewarned that he must tie up the loose ends. The person leaving this world must make a cheshbon anefesh, which literally means a cheshbon anefesh, means a, an accounting of the soul. What, what did I do in my lifetime? Taking spiritual stock of his life. What he has accomplished and what he has failed to accomplish. He must do tshuva for his transgressions and shortcomings and prepare his soul for the next world. He must review all his outstanding obligations and make sure he has discharged them properly. He must leave instructions to his children and his household. He must make sure he is not leaving a mess for someone else to clean up. A lifetime of activity calls for a lot of wrapping up. A person who is struck by a bus and never knows what hit him will never have the opportunity to bring his life to a fitting conclusion. He misses out on a very great blessing. So then he says a thing which I checked on Snopes. It doesn't sound like it's probably false. But he says when the Challenger shuttle, it, this part maybe not, but I'll explain. He says when the, and by the way, uh, I don't know if you saw, Elon Ramon's wife passed away yesterday. Yes. Very sad, tragic story. She lost, she lived in Houston for many years. Um, Ruth Ramon, she, she, uh, she lost her husband in the, cha in the not the Challenger, second. Columbia. Columbia disaster. And she lost a son, a uh, 20-year-old son in a, uh, in, uh, in the IDF, in, uh, yeah. in a I plane crash. I was trained by Ilan Ramon and trained his son. Oh my goodness. Who? Itai. Our friend Itai. Uh, right. And now she died at 54. Very, very yeah. tragic. Um, so it says, so, so, so when the Challenger shuttle exploded, there was much speculation, as the, not Ilan Ramon, the one before that, about whether the crew members were aware they were about to die. So remember, with 73 seconds into the flight, the, the, uh, 
whatever it's called, that piece that coming up, right. um, started rocket. spewing smoke, the rocket. So, so when they finally found the tapes, they heard them, some of them say, uh-oh, quote, this caused a great uproar. Their attorneys wanted to sue NASA, which this part is true. The, the families uh, sued, not NASA, but the company who produced the rockets, and they, they got very little, actually, $9 million, between all the, I think it was four families or five, for the additional trauma of, ha of their having known about their impending disaster. So he says in court, which I couldn't ascertain if it's true, but there's, there isn't, the tapes were never released. So Snopes says this is false, but he's writing this. Anyway, the concept is, a, is what's important. He's saying that they sued for extra trauma, the fact that they were aware that they're about to die. So there was also emotional trauma. Mm. Um, so it was not only that the fact that they were killed, but the fact that they knew they're going to die and living through those whatever it was, three minutes, till they died, was alone. Because it says that they did survive until they hit the ocean. That, that seems like everyone agrees. And even though there might not be tapes. Or at least NASA didn't release any tapes. Doesn't necessarily follow, um, wrote a columnist at the time, that, quote, that it would have been more merciful that death come so instantaneously that the final conscious emotion was a sense of exhilaration? Or does such an end rob a person of the right to reflect, even if only for a few precious moments, on those things that make life worth living, end quote. For those who believe that death is the end, so this is where he's saying the difference between Judaism and other cultures, for those who believe that death is the end, blissful ignorance at the moment of death is perhaps preferable to a few moments of agony. But for those who believe in the immortal immortality of the soul, in punishment and reward in the next world, in an eternal afterlife, a few precious moments of preparation are priceless indeed. That's his opinion. Vidui. Um, this relates to Vidui and... Uh, Vidui, right, exactly. In other words, the, the point is, if you believe that it's, it, it's the end, so then you're right. I'd rather just get hit by a bus. <laughs> what do I need the, you know, everything before that? But if I truly believe in the concept of an afterlife and that this is this world as, as uh, it's discussed in the Mishnah, that this world is sort of an entranceway, just a hallway entrance into the next world, so then... You know, I, I need every second of preparation I can get. I want to patch up the, uh, like we're saying, get tie up all the loose. You have been listening to the MP3 project from the Jewish Ethics Institute. For a complete selection of our lectures, please visit our website at j-ethics.org. Shalom. Shalom.